well. I know it's been a while, but welcome back to the Sword and the Spirit. Here's where we take a look at the issues of the day, both in and out of the church via teaching, so coming soon, interviews and conversations. My goal here is to stimulate conversations that will lead to positive growth and action on the part of the listener. My prayer is that he who has an ear to hear will hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. As I said earlier, welcome back. And we're going to continue in our study here in the book of Revelations. Now, there's so much stuff in here, so I may break it apart and do a couple of other episodes on some other topics as well. But we will be continuing throughout the year our overview of the book of Revelation. So look for it when it returns. And mainly because there's so much in it as I'm studying it, it's blowing my mind. There's so much in there. When you start looking for Christ, things begin to make sense that never made sense before. And it's just absolutely awesome. But today, we're going to do, we're looking at that seventh seal. And there we'll do the trumpets and the vials. The trumpets and the vials, the way I understand it, is, I believe, are pretty much telling the same story. It's the same thing. When you look in the book of Daniel, you have the story told, three, the same story is told three different times, but each time more detail is added. And, and that's why you have like um, First and Second Kings matches First and Second Chronicles. Um, some of the overlaps with Sam, First and Second Samuel, they overlap because God's telling the same story on multiple occasions. Uh, that's why you have four Gospels. The Bible says, "In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established." And you see Daniel parallels uh, very closely to Revelation, which also. Uh, Daniel's runs very parallel to Ezekiel. And so there's all those connections. And you have Isaiah and Nahum, I believe they were contemporaries as well. So they run concurrent right next to each other. And so you're getting a full view, Ezra and Nehemiah, pretty much the same story, but from different perspectives. You know, uh, Queen Esther, you know, the preservation of divine providence, God for protecting his people. You have Leviticus, right? Then you have Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy means the repeating of the law. So you've got the law given out twice in two separate books. Um, so this is why we... Um, this is why, because I see that pattern in the Bible where stories are repeated over and over again, each time adding more detail that wasn't in the other one. Case in point, the death of Saul. In the end of one book, it says that Saul committed suicide. He fell on his sword. And then you look at it in the very next uh, book. The Amalekite shows up to David and says that he killed Saul. So which is it? Well, it's the same story, but they're adding more detail to the story. Because the uh, he fell on his sword, didn't die right away. So in, a sen- in that sense, yes, he committed suicide. He tried to kill himself. So he started the process, but it just wasn't fast enough. And then he saw the Amalekite, and allegedly the Amalekite said he asked him to finish him off. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But the Amalekite probably recognized it was Saul. and said, if I kill Saul and I go to David, I'll get a reward. So he comes to David and says, I killed your enemy. And David said, how was it that you weren't afraid to touch God's anointed? And 
David had his, told his man to sever that man's head from his body. David had him executed uh, for killing Saul. So it's the same story, just more detail added to it. Uh, one part of the Gospels, it says that Judas went out and hung himself. Another part, and when we get to the book of Acts, it said he fell down and he burst open. Well, which is it? Did he fall down and burst open, or did he hang himself? Well, he hung himself. But when the rope broke, he fell down and burst open. There you go. Same story, but each time adding more detail. And that's what you have here. So when you do the, tr the, the, the trumpets, the seven trumpets and the seven vials, I run them parallel to each other. And again, like I said with eschatology, you can have a little bit of fun with it, but um, it's not a heaven or hell issue. If you want to take them as a coming in sequence, I don't. I just don't see it that way. But anyhow, um, so we'll go through. But we'll be going through those. We may touch on those today. I don't know. I got a lot of stuff on this on on the on the seventh seal. So we'll see if we can get it at least started, maybe to the first two or so of the trumpets and the vials. So let's take a look at the uh, eighth chapter of the book of Revelations. Let's take a little read and see what it says. Verse, starting at verse 1. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets. Seven trumpets were given to them. So you got seven angels standing before God, seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. Pay attention to this golden censer. And he was given much incense to offer with the, with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. And then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. So, we read in the earlier chapter, I believe in chapter 5, verse 8, it says that, the, that this golden censer, which is on the throne, it says... With, with, is, as a sweet smelling savor before the Lord it says they are the prayers of the saints the prayers of the saints so our worship is like incense to God what incense does for us it smells good makes the house smell nice and puts you in a I guess in a good mood that's what our worship and our praise, and our mixed with our prayers, does to God. Worship, prayer, praise, all those things are sweet-smelling savor before the Lord. That's, the incense, that's what the incense represents, the prayers of the saints in the Bible, throughout Scripture. Every time the golden censer appears, it is an integral part of the worship of God. Uh... One of the first times that it appears, or earliest times that it appears in Scripture, is in Leviticus 10, verses 1 through 3, when the sons of Aaron took that same golden censer you see here in Revelation, that same censer, and they put in the incense, and it, the indication is that they were drunk. Later on in the verse, it appears that they, were, they may have been drunk, because God later on tells, after he kills these two guys, 
um, he tells them, when you're a priest, don't come in here after drinking no wine because you're drunk and whatever. So they didn't follow the prescribed, uh, I believe that the fire they were supposed to take was of the fire from off of the altar. There was already a fire on the altar that God lit. God lit this fire. Instead, they went and lit their own fire. And that's what the Bible calls strange or strange or unauthorized fires. Like, where did this fire come from? This isn't the fire from off the altar. And so when they lit it for the, to light the incense as a sweet smelling savor going up to God, the, the real fire from God broke out on them and consumed them. So we'll see you later. Zoop. They were gone. And God said, if you approach me, you come to me, you must be holy. You must sanctify me. I must be sanctified and you must come as holy before God. So those two people lost their life messing with that golden censer. So that golden censer is powerful. It's no joke. It can be a blessing if handled properly the way God prescribes. Or it can be a curse where God kills you because you do not come to him in the prescribed manner in which he told you to approach him. So that's, the, you know, dependent. So that's when we see the golden censer. It's connected to worship. It's connected to praise. But it's also a symbol of the judgment of God. Which we see here in Revelations. It also appears again in Deuteronomy, with Korah's rebellion, when they, people were saying, we are holy enough. And they were saying, why can't we offer incense and stuff before God? And by, by the way, let me, let me make this clear. There were three parts to the, to the, to the temple. There was the, the outer court. That's where you had daylight. Uh, you had the inner court. That's where you had candlelight. Then you have the Holy of Holies, and the only light in there was when God was there, and God's presence lit, lit the room up, okay? That's why you had to have the fire from God, because it was, it was God's fire that was lighting the room, not something, not daylight or artificial light. It was divine light in that room in the Holy of Holies. That's where the censers are at, where the prayers of the saints. That's where the incense is at, in the Holy of Holies. So these guys thought they could do like Aaron and Moses and we can go inside to the Holy of Holies. Why can't we go in there? You presume too much upon yourself for seeing that we are holy enough. You know, you're not more holy than we are. We see that you have anger issues, Moses. You know, we see that you're not perfect. How is it that God doesn't kill you, but he hasn't, you know, who are you? Not understanding that God had a covenant with Moses, but okay. Uh... So they demand to go in. So Moses said, I tell you what, everybody get your, your censers with your, your prayers and we'll stand before God and we'll see who God chooses, whose, whose prayers and worship God accepts, yours or mine. Long story short, the ground opens up and swallows Korah and his family. So that was the end of that rebellion. And uh, the golden censers. So... Now, here's the interesting thing. God killed them, but he kept their censers. He said, you know, he said, no, go ahead, put it down, you know, put down the golden censers as, uh, as, uh, you know, melt them down and then, you know, use it to, use it to, uh, to adorn the altar. 
And the incense, we keep all of that. That stuff is holy. But the people weren't holy, so God got rid of the unholy thing. He kept the holy stuff. Okay, so now we get to the... Then later on you see again... Um, it's also mentioned again in First Chronicles 26, 16 to 21. And in Ezekiel. Uh, let's look at those two verses. I think I will. I wasn't going to do them, but I think we will. So let's go back to Second First Chronicles. First Chronicles. Because I want you to see the connection between worship, praise, prayer, which is what the incense represents, with the fire of God on it, symbolic of the Holy Spirit. But then that same fire, that same fire, is a refining fire. Our God is a consuming fire. So when you have prayer and praise and worship going up to God, God, the hope by the by the Holy Spirit, energizes our prayer, lights it up, so we we can become a sweet smelling savor to God. That's why prayer is you just have incense. And no fire. If you can't light the incense, there's no sweet smell in the room. And if we're praying and there's no Holy Spirit, there's nothing going up to God. You're just talking. You must have the Holy Spirit. And I don't mean being baptized in the Holy Spirit per se, but because all believers have the Holy Spirit. So if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. You can pray. That's what I'm talking about. All right, so let's look at... First Chronicles 26. First Chronicles 26. And let's look at this. And see what this actually says here. All right. Let's look at that. 26 verse 16. 26. Verse 16. Okay, I said first one was 26. Am I in chapter 26? So this sort doesn't look like it. All right, let's go to Ezekiel. I'll come back to that later. Ezekiel. Chapter 8, verses 9 through 12. Look at this. This is... This is is mind-boggling here. Ezekiel chapter 8, verse, starting at verse 9. I couldn't do the whole chapter, but I'll start at verse 9. And he said to me, God speaking to Ezekiel, Go in and see the vile abominations that, are, that the priests are committing here. So I went in and saw, and there engraved on the wall all around was every form of creeping thing and loathsome beast and all the idols of the house of Israel. And before them stood 70 men of the elders, that's the, that's the Sanhedrin, of the house of Israel, with Jazaniah, the son of Shaphan, standing among them. Each had his censer. Here you go. Here's the priest with his censer in his hand. And the smoke of the cloud of the incense went up. See, there's a cloud going up, a cloud of prayer and a sweet-smelling cigarette before God. Then it said, said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the dark, each in his room of pictures? For they say, The Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. What God was saying is that when he went into the temple, the place where God was supposed to dwell, 
there were pictures on the wall of idols and they were worshiping everything else but God and they had the, 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 the censer in their hand and their prayers and the incense was not going up to God. It was going towards their idols. And there's a whole message in that by itself, but that's, that's for another day. And so we see that it's constantly, that it is connected to worship, that it's connected to worship and praise and thanksgiving before God. And so we see that divine connection there. And that's very important because we're going to, I, I want to learn something about the power of our prayers. We think, you know, we're praying and it's in vain. But it really, in fact, the truth is, is it's not in vain. It's not in vain at all. All right, let's see. We can go back here to Second uh, Chronicles. Let's see if that's the one. If not, I'll just find it another day. And I'll re do a recap. Okay. Yeah, this is about Uzziah's pride. I'm sorry, that was Second Chronicles twenty six sixteen to twenty one sixteen to twenty one. But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction, for he was unfaithful to the Lord his God, and he entered the temple of the Lord here again, unauthorized worship, unauthorized worship. He grew proud. That's what made it unauthorized, and then the pride caused him to do something stupid. Because kings couldn't, couldn't, weren't allowed to go into the temple and do this, and only for the priests. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God, and into the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. But Azariah the priest went in after him with eighty priests of the Lord, who were men of valor. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. So you have to be consecrated, a priest, to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was angry, and now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And when he became angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priest in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. So God struck him with leprosy. Yeah, there you go. So you got Korah's rebellion, people handling holy things, handling the prayer that weren't supposed to be handling it. Ground Lord up and swallow them. Sons of Aaron took fire that wasn't on the altar. They took the fire from somewhere else. It didn't come from God. God killed them. In Ezekiel, God is angry with the priest because they're using, they're taking the prayer and the golden censer, which contains the prayers and the worship of God, and they're worshiping, they're directing it towards idols, towards idols. And like I said, there's a lot more I can say about that because we have today in our modern churches, we have to be careful of not directing our prayers towards idols. Praying to men, putting our confidence in man. The book of Isaiah says, Curse is the man that trusts man, trusteth in man and makes flesh his arm. Not cool. Bad idea. So we don't want to put our confidence in man. We don't want to put our confidence in anyone else. And our worship and our praise should go to God. 
not to men. They said, oh, God doesn't see, you know, and God has forsaken us. So we turn to other things. We turn to politics. Instead of going to God, we turn to politics to save the nation. No politician, no elected official can save any country from anything. What saves nations and what empowers nations is when the prayers of the saints go up to God on behalf of that nation that they want God to save. Other than that, you know, freaking out over who's in office and having meltdowns behind the pulpit and prayer meetings and, you know, uh, acting like we're crazy is not going to cut it. Okay, so let's go back now to Revelation 8. They open the seventh seal. There's, there's silence in heaven for 30 minutes, just silence. The Bible says, I think in one of the Psalms, God is in his holy temple. Let the whole earth be silenced before him. I believe that silence is there because nobody's going to do anything. When he opens up that seventh seal, before anybody says a word, before anybody does anything, that silence is there out of respect for God and respect for what he's about to do. And nobody moves until God says move. That's how much God's will is done in heaven. That the angels, the four and twenty elders, nobody acts until God says, okay, this is what I want to happen right now. So God calls for silence for 30 minutes. Hold your peace. Don't say anything. You remember when they were marching around Jericho? God said, don't say anything. I don't want to peep or word out anybody. Just march. Whenever God gets quiet on you, look out. Judgment is about to fall. The, the axe is about to fall. Things are about to start happening. God's going to start setting things in motion. So whenever there's silence, beware. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. And he was given much incense. So he was given much incense. And he offers the incense with the prayers of all the saints. Uh, even 5, 8, it says that the incense actually is the prayers of the saints. On the golden altar before the throne. So the prayers are offered before God. On the throne. This is what the priests did, right? They would go in there and they would burn the incense and offer the prayers of the people. The incense before God. Obviously asking them for mercy. To, 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 to stay from judgment to stay from destroying the nation, etc., repenting for sins, etc. So all kinds of prayers in there. Prayers of repentance. Prayers are because people are in pain. Prayers because things have happened to them that uh, through life uh, because of their Christian faith. And I'm not talk I'm talking about legitimate things. I'm not talking about things, you know, you just didn't like the person in the office because they had a personality problem with them. And, you know, it's a clash of personalities, so you want God to get rid of them. Well, that's... Not what God's in the business of doing. You just got to adjust your personality or adjust how you deal with people in that type of situation. I'm talking when people actively seek to do you evil because of your faith in Christ. Or they persecute you because of your faith in Christ. 
all the mockings and the laughings and you saw the, the saints that were thrown to the lions. All those prayers are offered up before God now. Because what God is doing, he's remembering. And when he remembers, he, or he's, he's get, these, are, these are testimonies. So before God judged the world, all your prayers are actually testimonies against the earth and against the world. So that when God is judged, he is righteous. He's got the witnesses. We are his witnesses. We're the ones that offered up the prayers that prayed for set people to get into the kingdom, that prayed for this world, you know, that God to keep it going. But now God says, okay, I've got my testimonies. I've got my witnesses. You know, so the court is now in session. And yes, here comes the judge. The judgment is coming. But look what he does this time with it. He does the same thing that the priest was supposed to do, mix it with fire. With a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of all of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Okay. Now what the priests did with it, they took it and they put it over the altar, the, 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 the judgment seat, and then it became the mercy seat. And that was part of it with the blood, mingled with the blood of, of the lamb, of the sacrifice, and then the prayers, etc. And then it becomes a mercy seat. But now there's no blood applied here this time. This time the angel does something different with it. What does he do? Then the angel took the the censer and filled it with filled it with fire. So he took the prayers of the saints. Well, the censer contains all of that. The prayers of the saints. And filled it with fire, not strange fire, but fire from the altar, which is where the only place the fire is supposed to come from. He fills it with fire. And what does he do? He throws it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Now he takes the witness of the saints and mixes it with fire. Fire, the symbol of God's judgment. And through the prayers of the saints, through the witness of our, of our testimony, of not loving our lives, overcoming by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, he takes all that and throws it into the earth. And there's an earthquake and lightnings and thunderings. In other words, it's about to go down. It's about to go down. Didn't know your prayers were that powerful, did you? But our prayers are going to be part of the means through which God is going to judge this earth. All of our prayers. So instead of it being a mercy seat, it's always tied to judgment. And let me read to you somewhere here in the Psalms. In Psalms 2. And I'm turning in my Bible now. Because I turned my phone off because it keeps blinking and beeping. So you'll hear pages turning. But if you turn to Psalms, to the book of Psalms, and I'll just turn to that now. Psalms chapter 2. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth and the rulers set themselves against the Lord, his anointed, saying, let us cast their cords from off of us. And we're just going to, you know, I guess they just want to go live free. But the Bible says, he that sits in the heavens will laugh. God will have them in derision. Isn't that amazing? God will have them in derision. But look what happens here. 
in Psalms 2. It's okay. Take your time. Turn your pages. Turn your Bible. It's all right. Take your time. That's what you do in Bible study. Okay, the book of Psalms, chapter 2. And it talks about the nations raging, like I said earlier. And he says, he who sits in the heavens will laugh, and then he will speak to them in his wrath, and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. So, God is giving authority to rule the nations with a rod of iron to, to Christ, to his son. Is that correct? And remember we read that in Revelation, the second chapter. He, Jesus says to him that overcomes, he will also give the same authority to the saints of God. For those of us who are overcomers, who follow him and do what he says. He says, I will give you power over the nations. And you shall also rule them with a rod of iron, even as I have received them, my Father. So Christ is saying you also will be able to do the same thing that he just did in that respect. Now let me qualify that. You can only do what God says you can do. What God does not say you can't do, you can't do. But in this case, he says we should rule them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces. Of, as a, as a, dash them to pieces. Now, if you go back to the Psalms, Go back to the Psalms. And you see how God, I believe Psalms 149, let's look at that. Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker, let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, melody, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. The Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exalt in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and a two-edged sword in their hands. Listen to this. Let the high praises of God be in their throats. And God puts a two-edged sword, which is the word of God, in our hands. For why? To execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute on them to execute on them the judgment written to execute on them that's verse 9 to execute on them the judgment written this is the honor of for all godly ones praise the lord and we see that being fulfilled in the book of revelations here because what we see happening here in this fulfillment is not so much us doing it, but the two-edged sword, right? We're praying. Hopefully we're praying according to the word of God. And then God takes his fire, puts it in there with our prayers, and sends it into earth to bring judgment on the face of the earth. Wow. That's some serious stuff. To think that little old us have a hand in God bringing judgment on the earth. Remember I said Revelations is about Christ. 
and him establishing his kingdom here on the earth. And that's what we're going to see here uh, as time goes on. It's going to become clearer and clearer that it was never about us. It was about him, what God wanted to do uh, in the earth in returns of redemption. And all this was set in motion with Adam and Eve. Uh, the whole idea of man thinking he can be God and he can, that he can operate independent of God and that he doesn't need him. Bad idea. Very bad idea. It doesn't, doesn't work so well. For those of you who are living without God, listening to this podcast, how's that going? How's that working for you? And you go, oh, I'm rich. I'm doing great. I'm the wealthiest man in the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, but nobody knows what goes on behind closed doors when those lights are off, what the person is really feeling. Uh, money is not sufficient. There's a level of life that you just can't get to and money won't take you there. So, he filled it and he threw it in the earth and there's lightning and thunder and peals of thunder. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. Now you're going to get into the seven trumpets. This was a pirate movie. I would say this is the part where we, or God, I should say, is about to release the Kraken, so to speak. The seven, the seven trumpets and the seven bowls. So now God throws that into the earth. The earth is now prepped through the prayers of the saints and the fire of God. Now the earth is prepped for God's judgment. Remember now, when, when God brought judgment, that the, the people being judged had the censors, they had everything. And then God judged them. And it's almost like God is giving them, giving this censor with the prayers of the saints to the earth here. And those who are of God will be protected and those who are not of God will not be protected. We're going to see who God has chosen and who God has not chosen. Perhaps that's why the censor was sent into the earth with the prayers of the saints. It's, all right, the seven trumpets. Now, the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. And these were thrown upon the earth, and a third of the earth was burned, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. Remember I told you God's judgment is secular. It's, it's Secular. Wrong word. God's judgment is surgical. <laughs> That's the word I was looking for. Freudian slip. God's judgment is surgical. It's not a hammer. This is not a hammer. This is a scalpel. God systematically and methodically begins to dismantle and to bring his judgment on the earth. Seven trumpets, I don't know if it's, it's one trumpet per year for the seven years of tribulation, I don't know. Believe it or not, there are people that talk about ten and a half years of tribulation. I just don't see that happening. But either way, uh, whether it's seven years or within the seven years, I get all seven. I don't think it's one per year or just over a period of seven years, all of them. But this is what's going to happen. So I'm not that concerned with timetables per se. I'll let God decide how much time for each thing. But look at that. The first trumpet 
it's on it, it, it the judgment goes only to the earth and yes it's mixed with the the, the, the giant hailstones that come down now isn't this interesting because hail is ice but here you got ice fire and blood coming out of heaven so the all the fire the twofold symbol of the holy spirit the 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 fire symbol of the holy spirit and also god's judgment when god moves in judgment when the holy spirit moves in judgment it's fire to destroy to burn up to bring destruction blood the blood of the lamb but this is not the blood of the lamb the blood of the lamb we know yes is for forgiveness and cleansing and god forgiving us but this one's mixed with blood. In other words, Jesus said all the righteous blood from, from Abel to whoever else, whether it's the martyrs or the saints or whatever, I believe that's what this, is, this blood is. This is the blood of the martyrs. This is not the blood of Christ. This is the blood of the martyrs mixed with that fire from the Holy Spirit. And now God's going to bring judgment. Remember, the, they were the souls under the altar and they said, how long, O Lord? He said, well, just a little bit longer. Here's some white robes. I'm going to judge the earth. Just hang on here a little bit. That's what's in that golden sense of those prayers of those saints, those martyrs who said, how long, oh Lord, how long are you going to go before you, you bring judgment on the earth and avenge us? Well, God says, the time has come now. I'm going to avenge you. So the blood of the martyrs, the fire of the Holy Spirit, and the hailstones we see, we know we saw that in the in in Exodus. That's one of God's judgments when He brings judgments on the earth, is He sends hail. Okay, but it, notice it only goes to the earth. Now let's go back here. Let's move a little bit forward to chapter sixteen, and look at the first vial. 16 verse 1, then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshiped its image. So the first part, the trumpet tells us that it goes to the earth and the same thing here with the vials. Both the first trumpet and the first vial go to the earth. But the first time God tells a story, he talks about burning up one third of the earth, sending blood and, and fire and hail, and that destroys a third of the earth. When you get to the vials, the vials specifically tell you that not only was God targeting a third of the earth, God is now also targeting the seat of the Antichrist or the beast, the seat of his power. God is targeting his kingdom specifically. So not so the earth gets the hail, the fire and the brimstone, third, da da da, third of the earth is destroyed. But specifically to the to the beast and those who carry his mark, who are following him, in addition to what he just did here with the hail and the fire, and a third of the earth being destroyed. In addition to that, those who have the mark of the beast, those who are sitting at the seat of his government and power, God is sending, sending sores, 
painful sores on those individuals. He's striking them with, with painful sores. So, with harmful. Now, their harmful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. So, God is also targeting them. They get a little something extra. Yeah, third to earth he goes. But the people who are worshipping the mark of the beast, they get a little something extra for you. Okay. Let's go back again to chapter 8. Let's see what happens when the second angel uh, sounded his trumpet. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. So just like you see how God methodically created the earth, you know, he started with, the, with you know, let there be light and then the sun, the moon. So it was, a, it was a progression in how God did it. It was a progression in how God is dismantling the earth now that he just created. Okay, so now this time, instead of it going to the earth, this time it's going to the seas. And a third of the sea and a third of everything in the sea is destroyed. Right? All the living creatures, it says. Okay, blow the trumpet. And a great mountain. Now, we don't know what that great mountain is. I don't know what it is. It, it, it's not here. I don't know if it came from earth. He grabbed it from somewhere and threw it in there. Or if it came from heaven. It says something like a great mountain. I don't know what that is. Only God knows what it is. Uh, but it was burning with fire. Now, my guess would be a, some type of meteor. Because, you know, they always talk about these apocalyptic events and meteors hit the earth anyway. So, this would fit the narrative. But again, I don't know. And I'm not going to say definitively when I don't know something. So I don't know. If any of you know it, just go ahead and email me. Let me know what it is. And why you think that's what it is. But a great mountain burning with fire. So if an asteroid enters the Earth's atmosphere, it catches on fire. It goes into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. So all the third of all the ships in the world were destroyed. So whatever's on the sea is going to get knocked out, at least one third of it. Now, let's go over here to chapter 16. It's an interest. You got chapter 8, 8 and 8 is 16. Okay, a little corny Bible numerology there. <laughs> all right, we're in the 16th chapter. The chapters were made by men, people. Don't, don't read more into that than it, than it is. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse. See, here again, the sea turned into blood. And everything died that was in the sea. So the second angel sends, pours out his vial, and it kills everything in the ocean, in the sea. So you see the parallel. The first two on the earth, the second two are on the sea. So they're paralleling each other. Each one just adds more detail or has more detail than the other one uh, has. Okay, like the second one says, it just says everything in the sea died. It doesn't say a third. So it's not as specific as the other one was. So sometimes they just add more details, but it's all saying the same thing. All right, let's see what happens when the third trumpet sound. The third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch. Again, 
Um, I would argue this would be an asteroid of some type because a star are just too big to obliterate the Earth if it hit the Earth, so it might have been an asteroid. But in the ancient times, everything's falling out of the sky is a star. You ever say, oh, I saw a shooting star. Well, I learned those shooting stars, in quotes, were not really stars. They are just asteroids. But, you know, this is the ancient world, so what do they know, right? The third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell like from heaven, blazing like a torch, right? When they entered the atmosphere, they all catch on fire. And it fell on the third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the, of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. All right, let's see the third vial. The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and springs. See here again, rivers and springs. Both of them are talking about God attacking the rivers and springs. And they became blood. And I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, just now, again, adding more detail, but look at them as the same event. So in addition to God attack, making the water bitter and turning to blood, I guess if the animals are obliterated, there'll be a lot of blood in the water, I suppose. And I heard the angel in charge of the waters saying, just are you, O holy one, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets. See that? That blood, that hailstone, and that blood, it's the, it's, the, it's the saints and the prophets, the people of God that were martyred for the faith. And their blood cries out, just like the blood of Abel. And you saw that when they were under the throne of God and, and they were saying, how long, O Lord? How long before you avenge us? God says, here's some white robes. Wait a minute, there's a couple more martyrs that are going to be coming along. And once that, once that has reached its, its, its fulfillment, I'm going to handle my business. And this is God handling his business. For they have brought these judgments. Why? Why are these judgments? Because they have shed the blood of saints and prophets. People who harm the people of God are not going to get away with it. There is going to be a day of reckoning. Count on it. It's coming. And you have given them blood to drink. So now you have blood to drink. It is what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. God's judgments are true and just. They are correct. What is happening should be happening. And God is right when he judges. He's 100% correct when he brings judgment. angel blew his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck and a third of the moon and a third of the stars so that a third of their light might not be light may be darkened and a third of the day might be kept from shining 
and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked and I heard an eagle, that's right, an eagle, crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. When God says woe, like Jesus would say, surely, surely, or truly, truly, that means you could this is you can take this to the bank. But God doesn't give one woe. Jesus would just say woe to you and then things would happen. But now you got three woes. That means what's coming next is going to be worse than the four things we just had happen here. The next one's gonna get it's gonna get even worse. It's not gonna get better. The plagues that God's gonna send on the earth. So the third angel was a was was a was a attack on the sun, right? Let's see what the third vial is, uh, the fourth vial. See, here again, verse 8 of 16. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by the fierce heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had power over their plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. Okay, so, here... The fourth trumpet, blot out the sun, the moon, the stars, less sunshine, right? You're not getting the sunshine you should get. Okay. And then God, in addition to that, causes the sun to intensify or increase in heat. And God can do that. And by the way, before stars burn out, they go supernova. They, they, they get hotter. They don't get less hotter. So... Uh, God is like taking the sun and dialing it up to 10, I, I suppose. They were scorched by the fierce heat. And they cursed. Now here's the thing. Now you're in trouble with God. And all these people are doing, they cursed the name of God. Who had power over these plagues. And they did not repent over these plagues. So whatever God's sending into the earth, these people are not repenting. They don't care, but they're going to die like men. They're going to die like women. I'm a tough guy. I'm, um, you know, alpha, alpha lady. I'm going out, but I ain't going out like no punk. So they're tough. They're gangster. So they're going to go out, and they're going to go down fighting. But be assured, they're going down. And I'll talk a little bit about that later on. There, there's a point where God locks you into your decisions, and you can't change your mind. Remember he hardened Pharaoh's heart? Because God wanted to get glory on him. There's a point of no return. And I, I suspect these people, based on the plagues that are coming here and they're not repenting, I suspect that they've gone past the point of no return. They're just there. They've just been hardened in their decisions. And there's no turning back. Just like Pharaoh's heart was hardened. I told you, you can find this stuff anywhere else in Scripture. It's not like it hasn't happened before, but now it's happening in Mass. All right, let's see what the fifth trumpet was. The fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star falling from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. Now, this star here obviously is not an asteroid. I suspect it's the devil. Jesus said, I saw Satan falling as lightning from heaven. And he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft 
of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. So this, there's so much smoke coming out of the ground. Now, again, I, I don't want to literalize this because I'm not sure, but let's just take it, let's take a look at it in a literal sense for a minute. Volcanoes, when they erupt, the volcanic ash, it can literally darken the sky. And also, planes can't even fly through certain airspaces when there's volcanic ash in the air. It'll get into the engine and down will come the plane. So they have to reroute the flights sometimes around different areas to avoid any type of volcanic ash, which can go for miles. I think there was one in Greenland, somewhere up in that area that erupted. And all the, the, the Atlantic flights had to be rerouted because between the United States and Britain and Europe, they had to be rerouted because it, planes just couldn't fly into it. It was just that intense. That's just more volcano. You could imagine if God opens up the ground, and let's say metaphorically, whether they're literally or metaphorically, God opens up the ground and these things come out when all that smoke. So it sounds like a volcanic explosion of some, of some kind, a massive one. That's, that's on a global scale, and it darkens the earth. Remember now, the earth is already darkened because, you know, the sun. It's not like God reversed the other plagues. The, the effect of the other plagues was still there, but now it just gets worse than it already is. That means the air is practically unbreathable. Okay, so you can imagine if you had any disease, any type of uh, asthma or whatever, you know, you, you're pretty much done. But to add insult to injury... <laughs> Uh, when when this angel sounds, he opens the shaft of the bottomless pit, wherever that is, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth. Now, these are not the type of locusts that eat vegetation. It's not that type of locusts. And they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told, now the God, I mean, these are vegetarians, right? Because locusts are, eat, will come in and eat up all your plants and your crops. But look what God says to them. Now, I want you to understand this. God is in control here. You know, you see the devil and, and demons and all, but they can only do what God gives them permission to do. That's my point. God is in 100% control at all times, and that he tells, the, he sets the boundaries. You can do this, but you can't do that. This is what I want you to do. And, and they can only do that which God tells them to do. That's why I said I'm not so concerned about Antichrist. Whatever he does is only because God allows it for his own ends and for his own purposes. But even he has boundaries as to what he can and cannot do. Okay. okay. And they were given power. Like the power of scorpions on the earth, verse, verse 4 of chapter 9. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God in their foreheads. That's like saying who have the mark of the beast, pretty much. Maybe somebody has neither. They decide to be neutral. Well, you can't be neutral here. You've got to pick a side. Neutral won't help you. They will tell only those who have the mark of the, uh, this, uh, only those who uh, do not harm those who have the seal of God in their foreheads. So clearly the people of God are here. Or there's some saved people here. They were allowed to torment them for, for five months. So you can imagine 
these demons that are tormenting you for five months, not a day or two, five months of torture. But not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. God is going to literally remove death from the earth. Nope, no dying. Just pain and suffering. I want you to feel the scorpion sting. God remembers how you treated his people, how you treated his church. You disrespect them. You spit on them. You smack them. You murdered them. You killed them. You persecuted them. You hunted them down and murdered them. God remembers all of that. Now, for five months, you're going to feel torment. And death is taken from the earth. No, no dying here. So now you're breathing bad air. You're being scorched by the sun. The water is practically undrinkable. There's blood everywhere. Wow. Wow. And then it gives them their appearance. People, this is not helicopters. Stop the nonsense. This is not a helicopter. It's a demon. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, but their hair was long like women's hair. And their teeth like lion's teeth. I like to see somebody draw a picture of that. I don't want to see anybody drawing a picture. I have to look around for that. that that's got to be pretty weird. Like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breast, breastplates of iron. And the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions. And their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, meaning destroying. In the Greek, it is called Apollyon, meaning the destroyer. This angel's thing and his only purpose is to destroy. That's the king of these demons. And their job is to torment people for five months except for those who have the seal of God in their foreheads, those who belong to God. Moses stood there when they, when they, when they, had, the, uh, they had the incense and the golden censer. And he said, we're going we're gonna to stand here and we're going to see which one God chooses. The ones with the golden censer, that was Moses and Aaron, who had the seal of God on them, they were protected. Those who didn't have the seal of God on them, who were holding the golden censer, pretend to be the religious leaders of the people who saying we can just we're just as holy as Moses, the ground will open up and swallow them. Those who have the seal of God are protected. Those who don't have the seal of God, well, even if you were neutral and say, Well, I didn't take the mark of the beast, but I didn't become a Christian either. Well, it's not gonna help you. Okay. The first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still to come. Now, let's look at the fifth vial. The fifth vial. Uh, ten. 
of 16. The paper angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and on his kingdom. Remember, I tell you now, God's not just targeting the earth, but now this one's going to specifically show you what God is doing to the beast. So on the throne of the beast and on his kingdom, it was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven in their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds because they've already taken the mark of the beast, so they're not repenting. In fact, this is not about repentance. This is about God cleansing and judging the people on the earth who have failed to, to know Christ in the forgiveness of their sins. Now, darkness covered the, 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 the kingdom of the beast. And this darkness is not like just turn the lights off darkness. This is a darkness that causes pain. Now, where have we seen this before? Oh, yeah, in Exodus, when God sent the plague of darkness against Egypt to free his people. And the darkness went against the Egyptians. See, this goes against the governments. God sent that darkness to the governments and the people who were part of it. it didn't go to where Goshen, where the Jews were, where Israel was. It just went to the, to the, to the Egyptians. Now, this darkness caused pain. What kind of darkness? I mean, you turn the lights out in my room. I've been in very dark places, dark rooms, and there's no pain. But when you turn these lights out, when God sends this kind of darkness, this is a darkness that causes pain. This ain't just a normal dark, turn the lights out darkness. Jesus said that those who don't follow will be cast into outer darkness. And there shall be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Could this be a taste of hell? It's a small portion of hell because it causes pain where there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Outer darkness. Yeah, this is some serious plays God is sending on the earth here. Now, let's move on. And let's see what happens. Uh, the first one was passed. Let's see what happens. The sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the, for the hour, the day, the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number, and this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode upon them. They, were, they wore breastplates, the color of fire and of sapphire and of sulfur, and the heads of the horses were like lions' heads, and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. By those three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues, here it is again, did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. 
nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries, sorceries dealing with drugs, or their sexual immorality, or their thefts. Let me tell you something, saints. This fake culture war. There is no culture war. The world is going to do what it does. And the church has to do what we're here for. That's the way it's going to go. You're not turning the clock back. The horses are out of the barn. You're not going to reverse any, any Supreme Court decisions. It's not happening. We've got to move on and do what we're supposed to do. In terms of evangelism, showing the love of God to the world, etc., and representing Christ in the kingdom of God and the world to come. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Let's get down to business and stop trying to stop things that can't be stopped. And by the way, you don't reverse things in a culture by running to government. It doesn't work. You've got to go to God. And if God doesn't reverse it, it ain't getting reversed. Stop wasting your time. It's a waste of time. And, our, and the resources of the church and energy. Okay. And they repented not. So fire, sulfur, these, these people are here to kill and to destroy. So they wanted the devil, they got the devil. Here's what you get when you get the devil, destruction. And again, I guess you could, some people read these, these as some type of weapon from, you know, the 100 million man army, which only the Chinese can, I believe, have that size of a military. But then China's, I mean, India's probably not that far behind because India has a large population like China. So it may be combined armies or it may be, um, or it may just be plain demons. I don't know. But from the sound of this, it could, there are weapons that, that, can, that, can, that can sound like some, like some type of weapon. But again, I doubt that. I just think they're just demons. I think when we try to read too much of modern stuff in there, we end it with nonsense. Okay, but however, take whatever position you want. It's all good. Not a heaven or hell issue. All right. So that was the sixth. Now let's see what the sixth angel did. The sixth angel in, in uh, chapter 16, 9, uh, 12, poured out his bowl on the great sea again, the river Euphrates. So here you go. The match. Earth, earth, water, water, the sea and the springs, and then down to the river Euphrates. Both, both angels now, dealing with the river Euphrates. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its waters were dried up to prepare the way for the kings of the east. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet these unclean spirits like frogs, for they are demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole earth to assemble them for battle on the great day of the Lord God Almighty. Listen. So the, the Antichrist, the false prophet, and, and, and the beast, they all release these spirits, these demonic spirits, because they're demon-possessed themselves. And you know, you say, well, how many spirits they got living in them? Well, Jesus talked to one guy. He said, "For we are my name is Legion, for we are many. So I'm pretty sure there's legions of demons living in these guys. So what happens is they release three of them and they go into the world to work miracles. And through the miracles and these signs and these wonders, 
They're going to deceive these kings to, to go to battle in the valley of Megiddo. God says, I think in Ezekiel, he said, uh, 38, I believe, or 36, he said, I will put a hook in the jaws. So God's putting a hook in the jaw of all these kings, and he's bringing them, because I, I want to take down all your armies here at Megiddo. This is the good, the way, where that final battle is going to be. I'm going to take them down. The whole world's going to see it. Shocking. This is going to be the real shocking all. Okay. Prepare the way for the kings of the east. Probably for China and the others to come on, come along. And also you got uh, India in the east. Assuming it's the Far East. And I, because at that time the east was Persia, which would have been Iran. So, you know, but I'm sure they'll be there too. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the prophet, these demonic spirits go out to perform signs and wonders to bring, to bring into the, the whole world to assemble the armies against God. Look at verse 615. I love this. Jesus speaking now. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake. See, there's nothing wrong with being woke, people. You just have to be woke to the right thing. And I'm definitely woke. Definitely. In this context. Keep your garments on that he may not go about naked and be soon exposed. Jesus always warned about being ready. Be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Be ye ready, therefore, for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man coming. We got to be ready, saints. That's our job. Stay ready. And they assemble them at the place in the Hebrew is called Armageddon. Or some translations say Megiddo. So here you got both of you, wherever you're Euphrates, one unleashing demons to torture and torment and to kill off a third of all human beings. The other one releasing the other set of demons to bring people down to the valley of Megiddo where God can destroy them. Okay, now. The rest of mankind, uh, let's go back to chapter 9. Verse 21, nor did they repent of their murders. So people not repenting didn't change anybody's mind. But, you know, that's to be expected. Verse, uh, chapter 10. Chapter 10. Let's take a little quick look at that. It's going to be a little long series, but I think I'm going to go ahead and finish it. Okay, we're running a little over time here, but it's all good. Hopefully... I'm saying some things that are keeping your interest. But I want to finish this because there's some other things we need to cover here in the book of Revelations. And I'll tell you what that is when we're done here. So in chapter 10, uh, verse 1, I saw another angel, mighty angel, coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head. And his face was like the sun and his legs like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. And the angel whom I saw sounding on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever created heaven and heavens and what is in it and the earth and what is in it and the sea and what is in it 
that there would be no more delay. When you get to the seventh trumpet, that's it. It's a wrap. There's no more delay. This is the final culmination. This is the coup de grace. But in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God will be fulfilled. And that's what I want to get to in our next session. Um, unless I find, decide to do an interview. But in our next session, we're going to talk about the mystery of God. Because that's what it says right here. Remember, this is revelation. This is a revealing. This is not a mysterious thing here. It's supposed to be revealing something. The mystery of God will be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. So it's going to be fulfilling of God's mystery. What is God doing? Verse 8. Then I heard, then the voice that I had, I had heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is sounding, standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, Take and eat it. And make your st it will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel, and I ate it. And just like the angel said, it was sweet as honey in his mouth, but bitter in his stomach. And, uh, and I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. Okay, so we're going to come back to the two witnesses, but I want to go on to the seventh trumpet, and then we'll, I'll backtrack, and we'll start laying out some other things that are here in the book of Revelation. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet. Now, by the way, the two witnesses, that's all part of the sixth trumpet. That's all part of that. But I want to do a little bit more comprehensive detail on that, so we'll come back to that. But now let's go just leap ahead to the seventh trumpet for a moment, and we'll go back to that. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our, of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sit on the, on the thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and was, for you have taken your great power and began to rule the nations raged. But your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and for you were rewarding your servants, the people, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. And man, we don't, you know, we don't need a revelation for that. We're all this climate change that's going on. We are definitely destroying the earth. No question about it. Absolutely, positively. And God says he will destroy those who destroy the earth. He left us here to be caretakers, not to wreck the thing. But you've got these greedy people who don't care. They'll cut down the rainforest, which regulates the temperature of the earth. They'll spill oil, pollute the waters. And these large corporations just don't care. Well, God's coming for them too. Okay. Then God's temple in heaven was opened and the ark of, of his covenant was seen within the temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder and an earthquake and heavy hail. Okay. Now there's a lot of that. Then it comes about the woman and the dragon. 
God begins to unfold the rest of the story when he gets to the seventh seal and to the seventh vial. Then the story begins to unfold a little bit more. And so you're starting with the sixth seal. You saw this starting to unfold a little bit with the fifth seal, the sixth seal. God adds some more detail. And now with the seventh seal, it starts to unfold the mystery of God. He, and now he backtracks and he takes us through the panoply of history. And we begin to see how God has been working on the earth. We get a little bit of a glimpse. Okay. Now let's go back to chapter 16 and we're going to do the seventh bowl. And then we'll start to, we'll just touch on a few things. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, it is done. And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake, such as there had never been since man was on the earth. So great was that earthquake. The great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And God remembered Babylon the great to make her drink, drain the cup of the wine of the fury of the wrath of God, of his wrath. And every island fled away, and no mountains were to be found. And great hailstones, about 100 pounds, you imagine that, 100 pound hailstones? Yikes. Each fell from heaven. 100 pounds falling from the sky, mm -hmm. picking up a lot of speed. They're going to do some damage. They'll kill you if they hit you. Fell from heaven on people. And listen to this, listen to this. And they cursed God for the plague of the hail because the plague was so severe. Wow. It says, and God remembered Babylon. So next time we'll look at the two witnesses and we'll look at God's remembrance of Babylon. The whore that rides the beast. That's not, those are, those are the Bible's words, not mine. That's what the Bible says. The harlot, the woman who rides the beast. Let me just give you a little preview. There are two powerful entities in the world that run the earth, actually three. One is the political entity, that's governments, and that's a common grace. Governments are a common grace from God because you need government. You can't have absolute anarchy. You've got to have some sense of law and order. Otherwise, you could never live your life in peace. You'd be in your house with weapons and fighting people off for your stuff. And who wants to live like that? Uh, every day, you know, somebody walks by your house, you don't know what they're coming to do, and now you're, you know... Anyway, yeah, we're not going to live like that. Um, although there are some parts of the earth that people do live like that. But that's where government's not working. But the political entities. Then you have the economic, the business entities. Those who buy and sell and trade goods. And some are better at it than others, and some rise to the top, and you get the billionaires, and then you've got the little people like you and I who are just consumers. And they control pretty much your hours of your day because you got to go to work, you got to do certain things, etc. Not necessarily bad, but anything that's good can be corrupted. And then you've got religion. You've got religion. About over 90-something percent of the earth believes in God. Uh, so no matter how many people try and tell us God doesn't exist and 
etc., etc. Um, yeah, he's here. And the world knows that he's here. But two of them have been in league forever. And that's government and religion from the simplest tribes. You had the tribal chieftain. And he couldn't control the people. He saw that he could, I could control the people if I get in league with the witch doctor. So the witch doctor and the tribal chief would get together or the medicine man or whatever they want to call him. I'm talking about the most primitive of cultures. And then between the religion the, 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 and the tribal chief, who represents the government, they control the population of people. And that's how you keep people in line. March did have a point. Uh, he wasn't 100% wrong when he said, he was wrong when he said God didn't make man, man made God. He was wrong about that. God did make man. And then man turned around and returned. Now what has happened is we have returned the favor and we've made a God in our image after our likeness, our perceptions. And we try to maneuver God to be like us. But yeah, definitely God made man. Man did not make God. But then he said religion is the opiate of the masses. And he saw how government used religion to pacify the masses, to make us be good and moral and upright citizens. Or use the fear of, you know, voodoo or something, the more primitive uh, cultures. Um, fear of magic or something, evil spirit being sent to us. And that kept us in line. So in that respect, that's correct. But that does not not... That does not now mean that there is no God and that uh, religion is bad per se. It's just the wrong one or the wrong type or like any good thing can be misused. And so there's a misuse of those things. So we're going to take a look at that in the book of Revelation and see how God has worked through the ages and how God has combated that. And then we'll, because the world just ended, we just had the culmination right there. When the last trumpet, the last while, the world just became God's kingdom. Now all the book, rest of the book of Revelation is a, is a digression to give you like a better overview of what has happened, what is happening, and then what will come in terms of, um, of establishing God's kingdom of the earth. And then of course you get to the end of the book. And we have the New Jerusalem and all the great things that await us as believers on the other side of this. So God bless you. Thank you for listening. I appreciate all those who take the time to listen to this. And we're looking forward to the next episode, God willing. Because we never know what tomorrow or day will bring, right? We just hope that we'll all be here <laughs> uh, for that next episode. Father God, I pray for your Holy Spirit now. I pray for these listeners that the people who hear this podcast will be people who want the truth, who are who are hungry for the truth and want to get tired of the religious sounding stuff that they've been going through. They want something that's truthful, that's real. And not just this podcast, there are other podcasts that I know that are out there that are telling the truth. And I pray that that the truth will break through break through, and overcome all the lies. The honor and praise might be given to your holy name. And I pray now for those listeners that hear this will be blessed, will be electrified for you. Not electrified by me, but electrified for you. And 
say to themselves, I'm going to really get down in my prayer closet and spend quality time with God and do the things that um, will make me stronger in my faith as a believer in Christ. And so, Lord, we ask these in Jesus' name and he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. God bless. Thanks for listening in. You can reach me at rhyd12001 at gmail.com or you can follow me on Twitter at rhymer underscore Donald at rhymer underscore Donald. And if you follow me on Twitter, every time I release or do a new episode, I can just send out a tweet. And you know that I've just completed another episode of The Sword and the Spirit. God bless you, and thanks for listening.